Uh, Billy and I uh, struck up a friendship probably about over a year ago. Uh, he is a faithful man of God. He, I, I, I was thinking how to describe him. He has this beautiful coupling of prophetic boldness coupled with a compassionate heart. And those two things, when they come together, are powerful, and I appreciate that. And uh, we, we have a lot in common. Um, I was able to minister in Houston, which, I, by the way, I've been to Somalia, Africa. I thought that was hot. Houston is the hottest place on the face of God's green earth. Oh, my goodness. Whew. We survived, though. We had a great time, and it was just a blessing to minister to your church and uh, be with your family. Now we have uh, the kindness of the Lord of you being with us and ministering to our church. Now, do you guys want him to hold anything back? Do you want 50%, 60%, or just 100%? All right, you, brought, you heard it, brother. Let's pray right now 100%, and I will give it to you. Come on up, brother. And by the way, he is married to Nadia, and they have seven, five beautiful daughters, seven in their family, Annalise and Annalyn, you guys are coming to sing for us right now, right? No, okay, all right, all right. Let me pray for this brother. Father, thank you so much for this brother and partner in the gospel. I thank you for the encouragement that he has been to me since we have, uh, Lord, become companions and friends in the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would just give him uh, spirit-wrought liberty so that everything you have given him from this awesome, powerful text of Mark 9 would be delivered to us. Give us ears to hear, uh, Lord, hearts to be stirred, Father. I pray that he would come in the power and demonstration of the Spirit, and Lord, that you would change us by lifting up Jesus Christ and showing us that we are indeed complete in him, and in him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, Lord, we look to you with expectation. Move in our hearts. Lift up your Son for our good and for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Good to be here this morning. And, uh, man, just I, I love Pastor Mike. And I'm getting to know your other pastors, uh, Charles and and Clayton, it's just, man, you guys are blessed with, with the leadership you have around you. If you don't know that, I will just tell you that just getting to know these men, has just been a true joy and blessing. And uh, and so, as you heard, I'm from H-Town. I was born and raised there. Uh, grew up off a street called Edgebrook. And uh, I grew up in the hood. And the Lord radically saved me. And then he called me to plant a church in the inner city as well. And it's, it's been a blessing to see what God has been doing, uh, not just there, but learning what God is doing right here in D-Town, Detroit. And so, uh, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look at the text, and uh, we're going to do some uh, exegeting. And uh, I'm believing that we won't be the same again this morning. Amen? And so uh, let's pray. Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you. And God, we just give you all the glory and all the honor. I ask right now, Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me. Put your very words upon my lips and upon my tongue. No one needs my opinion this morning. We need the word of God. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just breathe on us. You would breathe on your word right now. And you would bring it to life. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who does not know you as Lord and Savior, today would be their day of salvation, Lord. That you would call them to eternity, Lord. And I pray for the rest of us, those of us who know you. Lord, I pray that we, Lord God, would examine our own hearts this morning and ask ourselves, do we really believe in the power of the gospel? Is it just head knowledge? 
Is it just words? Or do we truly believe that your gospel can penetrate and change anyone's heart in any situation that we come against and face, Lord? So God, have your way this morning. And it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And so let's look right here at the text. Uh, you heard from Pastor Charles. He, he read the whole thing. I want to look at two verses and then we'll come back and begin to, to exegete uh, this entire passage. But starting right here in verse 28, it says this, And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind, everyone say this kind. If you follow Jesus, you will come across this kind. It's not if, it's just when. Cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And all God's people said. So in, in the beginning of our church plants, um, I came across a, a guy that was coming to our church. And his kids called me one day. It's one of those crazy phone calls. They said, our dad has lost it. He, he's come home. He says the government is after him. He says there's a, one of those Black Hawks uh, helicopters flying over our home. He says that we need to get under our beds, and, and he's trying to find out where, where the guns are. And if you don't know anything about Texas, everyone's got guns. And so I had to, like, tell the kids, find the guns and get them out of that house ASAP, thinking what is going wrong with their dad. And so I meet with their dad at the church, at, at the church we're meeting at, so to find out what's going on, and he's telling me, man, Billy, listen, I, I, I lied, and, and if you don't know, um, our area is like, if you know where Hobby Airport is, if you know the Houston area, we're by Hobby Airport along the ship channel, Pasadena, LaPorte, Deer Park, you have the east side and, and all that, and we're right there in that area, and he comes over, and he had applied for the chemical plants where everybody wants to work because there's good money at the plants, and he's like, man, I lied, and I'm like, so you're telling me you lied, and you're telling me because you lied, the government's now after you? And, and he's like, yeah. And he's like, shh, there's a helicopter flying over us. And I was like, you're telling me right now there's a helicopter flying over us. He's like, yeah, shh, quiet. Now, family, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking at this time, the dude's nuts. He's crazy. I need to make a phone call, and we need to have him, like, locked up in a mental institution. It's what's seriously going through my mind. This guy's just lost it. And I remember Dr. Ellen, he's, he's one of my mentors who was discipling me at the time. He's a professor, one of the smartest men I know, who does biblical counseling. Told me, Billy, before you like try to put him away, because something's wrong with him, he goes, go after his heart. And I was like, man, Dr. Ellen, look, I know you're all about going after the heart, that the gospel can change anyone. And I, I want to tell you can change anyone, but I'm telling you, this dude is nuts. Needs to be locked up and, man, just out of everyone's way in sight. Like, he's going to be one of these people we'll see on the news. And he kept telling me, go after his heart. And I'm like, this is crazy fine, I'll go after his heart. And I'll be honest with y'all, I prayed and said, Lord, help me. If I'm doubting somewhere that your gospel can't change this man's life, and then I was like, Lord, I am doubting. I don't think there's any hope for this guy. So help me to believe right now. And I believe there's many of us in that situation, whether it's been our marriage, kids, people we come across on the streets, at our jobs, there was like, I don't know if the gospel can change this situation or change this brother or this marriage. And I remember I go to meet with him again, and we start talking, and I'm trying, not to go, I'm trying to go after his heart. And this man gets frustrated, starts pounding on the table. I'm like, oh, man, we're about to fight or something. And, uh, and then he just looks at me and goes, Billy, you know I lost my wife two years ago. And I was like, yes, sir. 
I lost her to cancer. Yes, sir, my heart hurts and grieves for you over that. He goes, well, here's what you don't know. That for the last two years while she died, I was cheating on her. I was with other women because I couldn't handle to watch the way she was and she couldn't meet my needs. And so I was with other women and she's dead and there's nothing I can do about it. I can't go back. I can't tell her sorry. And God can never forgive a man who could do that to his wife. And I realized, man, this man didn't need to be locked up. This man needed the gospel and needed to understand that the gospel was the only thing that was going to forgive him and cleanse him and give him a new life. And so I began to share the gospel and the power of forgiveness and that God could forgive him. And I'll never forget watching him weep and cry and go to his kids and say, kids, I'm a sorry father and I'm sorry for what I've done as they wept because they knew something was going on with their dad. And I watched God change him and we got to baptize him. And everyone thinking this man was crazy to this day. He's now normal and people are like, what happened? And he gets to now tell people, Jesus, what drove me crazy was sin and Jesus set me free. And so I'm here to tell us this morning, we can't doubt the gospel. Amen. We can't doubt it. But for all honest, we've been guilty of wondering, can the gospel really do this? Can it really change this person or that person? And we got to remember the words of Jesus in Luke. He said when he was in the synagogue that he came what? He came to set the captives free. And we got to understand this morning we've been commanded and we've been called to now carry on that mission of the gospel. Because why? Because he wants to set the captives free. Amen. And we have to believe that when it comes to the gospel. And so I want to hit on this. What is the gospel before we get in? to, to the, the points I want to hit on. And here's, I, I, I share the five points of the gospelism. If you can write these down, write them down. But this, this is the gospel, because it's important that we share the full gospel with people, amen? Not part of the gospel, uh, not just, you know, let me give you encouragement, but the whole gospel. And so here's the whole gospel. Point one is God became one of us. Everyone look at someone and say, God became one of us. Because if you miss that, you miss everything else. It's an incredible thing. It's what separates the gospel from every other religion. Every other religion says you have to work yourself to God. Climb the highest mountain, do this, do that. And hopefully, hopefully when you stand before God, you've lived this good enough life and, and, and God will be okay with you. Christianity says you're too screwed up, every single one of us. And that you'll never be able to climb the highest mountain. You'll never reach first class unless he steps out of first class. And that's the beautiful thing. He stepped out of first class. He stepped out of heaven. And he stepped on this earth. And we're not like second or third. We're like probably like a 20th class. Like that's how messed up this world is. And he wrapped himself in human flesh and literally became one of us. It's a beautiful thing of the gospel. And then point two is he lived a life we couldn't live. Look at someone and say, he lived a life you couldn't. And family, that's good news. My wife, who y'all got to see her picture up there, man, for a long time was messed up on drugs and on the streets. And God radically changed her life. Like radically at the age of 22, outside of a rehab. And I remember telling her, man, don't you wish you could go back and change that? I'll never forget her telling me, no, I thank God every day that I was drugged through all of that because it led me to the feet of Jesus and to realize he's the only one who could change my empty, broken heart. And family, I'm here to tell you this morning, we don't have to regret our past, Amen. We don't have to. He did what we couldn't. He lived a life we couldn't. And he used our past to bring us to him. And because of him, we can now live the life that we've been called to live. Amen. People need to hear that when we share the gospel. And then point three is where the gospel gets really offensive with people. He died the death we should have. Look at someone said, he died your death. 
Because he did. We are all guilty. I don't care what race you are, how rich, how poor, whoever you are. Every single one of us are guilty of putting Christ Jesus on the cross. I'll tell you people every day, we're all guilty of the greatest injustice that ever took place. Every man is in greatest, is in, has committed the greatest injustice. We put God, an innocent man who did nothing wrong, on the cross. We're all guilty of it. And he gladly let us put him on the cross. He gladly let our sins put him on there where he'd have to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as the father would just pour out his wrath on him. He gladly did that for us. But it should have been us. And we have to tell people that. Amen. And then point four, which Pastor Mike was talking about, you're going to be, we're all going to be celebrating in four weeks, is the resurrection. Point four is he rose from the dead. Look at someone say, he rose. We got to tell people that. I know it sounds crazy, but he did. And it doesn't just mean that we're going to rise from the dead, which is awesome. But it also means we get a new identity. Amen. Because when he went to the grave, he took our sin. He took death. He took all of it to the grave. And when he rose, sin and death didn't rise with him, amen? And the enemy, who in Genesis 3 put all of us in open shame, Colossians 2 says, when Jesus rose from the dead, he sent the enemy to open shame, sent the enemy running. The enemy now lives in open shame. We now have a new identity in Christ. And we got to tell people that. They can have a new identity. They're a new creation, amen? And then point five, he's coming back again, amen? Look at someone say, he's coming back. Some of us are going, whoo, he might be coming back tomorrow. He, he might. The world's getting crazy. But he's coming back, and we got to tell that to everybody, amen? And this is the gospel, and it's the gospel that we're going to see that, unfortunately, the disciples are doubting. And if we're honest in here, we have doubted it at times. And, and, and family, I do want us to see this. What the text is not saying, this text is not talking about healing. It's not saying that if we'll fast and pray hard enough, that we're going to see someone healed. That doesn't mean God doesn't heal, because he does. But I, I don't want us thinking, oh, man, if, if I just apply this to the same, this, this brother or sister healed, that's going to happen. That's, that's not what it's saying. There's people I love dearly who I want to see healed. And, and, but we got to understand that that belongs to the Lord. Amen? This text is also not saying that demons make you sin. Can I get an amen? We, don't, we, don't, we can't do an Eve and say, he, he made me. We don't get to blame the enemy for our sin. And it's also not saying that everything we come across is going to be demonic. Can I get an amen? Not everything we come across is demonic. There are people who, who thought this man that I was having the council, they're like, he's got a demon. No, he, he had unforgiveness. He, he had sin in his heart that he was hiding. And he needed to be delivered of that. Amen? And, and so let, let's look at this text. And point one, what I want us to see as we begin to read, uh, do we really believe in the power of the gospel is, Family, our actions and our beliefs can hinder the gospel. Can I get an amen? Because it can. Look, look right here in this text, starting right here in, in Mark 9, starting in verse 14. Jesus has been at the Mount of uh, Transfiguration. He's had uh, his three closest with him. And now he's coming back to the other disciples. And this is where we pick up right here in verse 14. And it says, And when they came to the disciples, to the other disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. And the scribes arguing with them. So that's the, 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 the Pharisees, the religious people, the, the legalists who did not believe in the power of the gospel. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up and greeted him. And just imagine Jesus, remember, he's been glowing. So part of him still got to be glowing. They're just like, whoa, what's going on here? And so verse 16, and he asked them, what are you arguing about? 
And some from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit and, and it makes him mute. We're going to have people come to the church, to our Bible studies. They're going to come to our homes who are desperate to see a move of God. Amen. And in verse 18, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to hear with you? Uh, bring him to me. Family, there's those who will say that he was only rebuking the Pharisees. No, he's rebuking his own disciples here. They were doubting him. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and he rode about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood. But family, there, there's some, to me, one of the key sections right here is, is not what this demon is doing to this boy. We all know demon is sin, what it's going to do. It's, it's going to torture us. Like it did that man that I was counseling. To me, what I want us to focus on is the disciples. They were unable to cast it out. And, and what is going on here? Because Jesus says at the end, he tells them this kind can only take prayer. And family, what's taking place here is, man, the disciples were doubting. And this word doubt means a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. And if we're honest, we've been guilty of that. Can God really deal with this injustice going on? Can He really deal with this sin going on? Can He really deal with this marriage uh, issue that we're facing right now? And family, we've got to remind ourselves that the gospel is enough, amen? And we've got to be convicted of that, though. That the gospel is enough. That it is the answer. That the gospel is what will turn the heart of the com person committing injustice. For example, I've seen God change the heart of a racist. Several. I've seen God change the heart of people who, who believe in abortion. And if, you, and if you're a part of that movement, you might know Abby Johnson, who used to run an abortion clinic. And there was a few Christians who every day would go outside that abortion clinic she ran in Bryan, Texas, and would pray for her. People thought she, they, they were foolish for praying for her. But they knew the Word of God, this kind. And guess what? God radically changed her heart to where she's now one of the biggest opponents and they're trying to destroy her life because she's bringing doctors out of the clinics now who no longer want to perform abortion, amen? I've seen God change the heart of addicts. I'm married to one. I've seen God change the heart of gangbangers. I'm praying for one of them. One of my spiritual sons, I'm asking God to heal him. I watched God radically save him off the streets. He was carjacking people, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He's got a family. He's now dying of cancer. And we're asking God, please spare his life. But family, I've seen God change hearts that people say he can't. We've got to know the gospel is enough. Amen. And family, but I also want to encourage us because I know we all battle doubt. If we don't deal with the doubt that we battle, Hear me on this. It will lead to unbelief. Everyone say unbelief. And family, unbelief is a lack of faith in Christ. Unbelief, the Bible calls sin. We're to have complete faith and confidence that Christ Jesus is who He says He is and He can do anything. Amen? And family, in this passage, the problem wasn't the gospel. Can I get an amen? The problem wasn't Jesus. The problem was the disciples who lacked the faith 
that God could deliver that young man of the demon. That was the issue right there. And family, their lack of faith, watch this, it helped encourage the father to lack faith. The father comes, he's believing that they're going to be able to do something because they follow Jesus, it doesn't happen. And now the father even tells Jesus, if you can. And we're going to get into that where Jesus goes, if I can. But you see, the disciples' lack of faith caused the father to now have a lack of faith. And you know what's tragic and it's taking place in this nation? Is the American church, we are causing many to not believe in the power of the gospel and have great faith in God because we ourselves lack it. If there was ever a time that this nation needs to see the church truly preaching and believing in the power of the gospel, that time is now. And how many churches are lacking that? And I praise God that this church is, is fighting against that and saying, no, we won't be that church, Amen. And family, we must ask ourselves, what type of faith in the gospel are we imaging to our family and to our friends and to the world? Because family, I'm here to tell you this morning, I have come across pastors who have literally told me, Billy, listen, the gospel ain't relevant to this issue that's going on in America. It's not the solution. We got to bring in some law. We got to do this or that. And family, the only person who wants to hear that and jumps up when he hears that is the enemy. We can't fall into that trap. Amen. We've got to stand our ground on the gospel. And family, hear me on this and think about this. The demons don't doubt or lack faith when it comes to the power of the gospel. They don't. Look right here at Mark chapter 1. Because this is wild. The demons know the power of the gospel. They know who Jesus is. Look right here at verse 23. Mark 1 through all the way through Mark 9, Jesus is, 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 is encountering people who, who are plagued by uh, demons and, and great sin. And, and look right here in verse 23. He, Jesus comes, he's going to come across uh, someone with an unclean spirit. And it says this in verse 23. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. So in the church, a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You who come to destroy us, listen to these words. The demon knows the very one who can destroy him, who has power over death and sin. But Jesus rebuked him. Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. But family, the demon knew exactly who he was and the power that Jesus had. How is it that the demons can know Understand the power of God more than we who are His children and are His people. Amen? Like that should not be. Can I get an amen, family? And Look right here at Mark chapter 6. As we just do a little Bible hopping right here. Mark chapter 6. This is Jesus in His hometown. And people will get this passage wrong. They'll make, they'll make faith all about us. Never make faith about you. Amen? It's, it's faith in Christ. Amen? As y'all been learning, Jesus Christ, He's supreme. Our faith has to be in Him. But look what happens to a town that Jesus came from who did not believe in His power. They didn't have faith in Christ. And because they didn't have faith in the power of Christ and His gospel, verse 5 says this, And He could do no mighty work there except that He laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And He marveled because of their 
unbelief. He didn't marvel because they weren't having this great faith in them because they didn't have no faith in him who lived among them, who grew up among them. And family, we see that. There's churches, they're they're seeing no change, they're seeing no transformation. Why? Because they truly don't believe in the gospel they preach. And we have to ask ourselves, do we really believe in the power of the gospel message of Jesus Christ? And family, another thing that can hinder the gospel is bad theology. Can I get an amen? And family, bad theology, why is there bad theology? Because of unbelief. I mean, bad theology, what it is, is we've just said gospel plus. For example, the woke gospel, Jesus plus. Prosperity gospel, Jesus plus. Moralistic gospel, Jesus plus. The Bible's not sufficient. We've got to go find other things because the Bible doesn't have the answers. And, and how do these come about? Because we have unbelief in, in the power of Christ Jesus crucified and risen. And we can never doubt that message. Amen. And so as we go on in this message, point two. We don't want to be a hindrance to the gospel. And so, family, many of us got to understand this morning, all things are possible in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? And and many of us are going to have to learn how to pray this prayer of the Father. And so let's look right here at the text. Look at verse 23. Well, actually, let's go to verse 22. And it says, It is often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. That's what sin wants to do. It's what the enemy wants to do. It's what evil wants to do. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then verse 23, and Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And if you're here this morning and you're struggling with doubt or unbelief, and family, I've been there. I want to tell you that it's been a long time. No, I'd be lying to you. Just yesterday, I loved it. Pastor Mike, we're, we're driving to uh, get some raised ice cream in, in, in another place. And he's like, hey, I'm praying God is going to give you all a building. Because our situation is right now, we've outgrown our building. We need another, need another building. And it's crazy the amount of money that people are telling me uh, that we got to have to get a building. And, and so we're just believing by faith. And, and I would love to tell you, every day I have that great faith. There's days I doubt. Because I, I know the context of our church. I know how much we make. And I loved how yesterday God was using him to encourage me. Hey, all things are possible for them who believe. Amen. And this father cries out, I believe. Help my unbelief. And family, many of us need to cry out that this morning. Amen. We need to be crying out, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. And notice Jesus doesn't rebuke him for that. He doesn't go, oh my gosh, seriously? I need to help you to have faith? Family, God is happy to come in our life and help us to have faith in Him. Amen? He's a good God. And He wants to help our unbelief. And we need to ask Him to help our unbelief. But I also want us to hear this. Praise God. It's not always, it's not solely just based on our faith. Because that's where you'll see people go wrong with the text. Family, this father did not have great faith. God had to help his faith to see his son be delivered. Can I get an Amen? I don't want us thinking, oh, because I've heard people say that. Well, the reason God didn't do this is because you don't have some type of great faith. No, it has nothing to do about us. It has to do about our faith in Christ. Do we believe in the power of Christ? And that God can still move even 
when we don't have the faith that we need. Amen? Because His Word says that. He's faithful when we're, when we're not. When we're not faithful. I saw it in Taiwan. We saw someone who needed healing. Like, I, I've never seen, witnessed this day, I've never seen anything like it. We're in Taiwan outside of this building, and this girl, her hand, it was like the flesh was just melting off. Like, you could literally just pick it up like that. It was just nasty. And me and my friend grabbed the interpreter, and we began to pray over her. And family, I want to tell you, I had great faith. I didn't. I'm like, Jesus, don't let us look stupid as we pray is what's going through my mind. Like, my faith in, in the gospel wasn't where it needed to be. And I'll never forget, the dad started just going off in Mandarin, and I don't know what he's saying, so I opened my eyes, and it was like nothing ever happened to her hand. And I just wanted to faint. I could not believe it. And I remember I immediately told the interpreter, we got to share Jesus. And, and, and I got to witness and watch this father give his life to Jesus as he found out who the true God was that day. Amen? But family, if it had been based solely just on my faith, man, that girl's never get, she would have never got healed. Because at the end of the day, it's faith in him, and it's off of him. Amen? But when he says believe, family, what he's saying is have complete trust and confidence and faith in who he is and his gospel message. Amen? And can we say that we have that? Family, that doesn't mean just for our salvation. But do we believe that for our marriage and our children? Do we believe that for this inner city that we're in right now where, uh, that surrounds Restore Hope? Do we believe that God can push back the darkness and that He can help save these people? And family, understand this. Sin is no match when it comes to Jesus. Amen? I don't care what sin you're battling. In Christ Jesus, you can overcome. You can overcome sin. Do we believe that? That it's no match when it comes to Jesus. That family, that He'll give you an escape route. His Word says that. Like, do we have that type of faith that whatever sin we battle, Lord, I know that you're giving me that escape route and whoo, I'm jumping on that train and getting out of here. Like, do we jump on that train and get out? Do, do we truly believe in radical amputation where, where Jesus says, hey, if, if your right eye causes you to sin, then, then cut it out. In other words, like, do we do that with sin? Hey, I'm completely cutting the sin out of my life because I know Jesus is more powerful. Do you understand that the devil and his demons are no match for Jesus? Do we really believe that? And, and, and here's what, what I, I mean by that. Like I had a, this kid, we were doing a men's retreat last year, and, the, and this guy, I say kid, he's 20. He like texts me, and he sends me this meme of showing Jesus and, and the devil arm wrestling. And I had to like text him back and said, hey, kid, I love you, but that meme is, is so unbiblical. Like Jesus and the devil ain't arm wrestling. Like the devil is no match for Jesus. It's like if you know the Clint Eastwood movies, when he would come into town, you've been ready the whole time to watch him and the bad guys get it on, and they're like, no match. He just goes, psh, 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 and the movie's over, and it's like, what? That's it? Like, what? Why didn't you do that from the beginning, Clint? Because you needed the whole movie. And family, that's how it is with Jesus and the enemy. The enemy's no match, and we got to understand that. And yes, the days we live in, family, they're scary. Evil is everywhere, and evil is more bold than I've ever seen it before. But remember, the demons and the evilness, they tremble at the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? And they're no match for Him. So we must remember that when we encounter anything that's evil, it's no match for Jesus. His gospel is more powerful. His name causes demons to flee, and we can't forget that. We can't forget that when it comes to our marriage. We can't forget that when it comes to our children. 
I mean, family, think about it. Peter walked on water. All things really are possible. Twelve uneducated men turned the world upside down. I tell people all the time, God uses someone like me. Like, I don't have the greatest education. I was passed. I, I grew up in the inner city. They just would pass me from grade level to grade level. They, they didn't want to deal with me. And family, I, I also, I look at this church. It's proof that all things are possible. Here you guys are faithfully in the inner city of Detroit, and you're faithfully preaching the gospel. You're faithfully reaching people. And so, family, hear this. Believe and never stop believing. Can I get an Amen. Matter of fact, look at someone right now and tell them, believe. Now look at someone else and say, don't stop believing. Because we've got to encourage each other, amen? And then point three, the last point I want to hit on, and do we believe, do we really believe the gospel is powerful enough? Then we've got to exercise our faith in Christ, amen? Look right here at verse 25. So the, the dad cries out, well, many of us right now need to cry out, help my unbelief. And then look at verse 25. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you, mu you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them, uh, so most of them thought he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately. It's a great question. Why could we not cast it out? They took an L. They, they got defeated. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And family, the devil, the demons, and sin, understand this. They ain't going down without a fight. I, I, man, in God's goodness, I've got to see many marriages healed, many people delivered from sin, whatever it is they were facing. Let me tell you something. It's a fight. It didn't throw up a white flag. It didn't throw up the white flag with Jesus. Like Jesus calls it out. And what does it do to the boy? It begins to fight the boy. You got to understand something. Evil is not going to easily let go. And we got to keep believing no matter what. Amen? Until we see it completely gone and it's completely let go. But family, have you ever felt defeated when it comes to the gospel. I have. I've taken some licks. I've taken some L's. And so why do so many miss out on the power of God? What well, we talked about it, lack of faith. And we got to ask ourselves this morning as we examine our own hearts, family, are there areas that we doubt God, that we lack having faith in His gospel for certain situations? There's others missing out, family, on the power of God because they want a peaceful, comfortable, and safe life. I don't know what your churches advertise on TV, but back at home, it's crazy how many of our mega churches get on a TV. And it's not a knock against mega churches. There are some solid mega churches. But we have some mega churches that get on TV, and here's what their announcement is come to our church because you'll be comfortable and safe at our church. That ain't the gospel. What did Jesus say? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. There ain't nothing safe about picking up a cross. There's nothing comfortable about that. What did he tell Paul? You're going to find out what it means to suffer. What did he tell disciples about the end times? Many of you are going to die. Be thrown in jail. There's nothing safe about the gospel. 
Are we safe in Christ? Are we secure when it comes to eternity? Yes. But family, on this earth, man, this earth's coming against us. Then we think about it. Lot chose a safe life. And what did it cost him? I want a safe and comfortable life. It cost him more than he could have ever have imagined. And it's costing the church more than we could imagine. And family, what Jesus is saying when he says this kind, in other words, he was telling the disciples, you truly don't grasp. Your dependence is completely on me. And that's why many of us are missing out. We're not willing to put in the prayer. Why? Because we want to think that our head knowledge, well, I know all this theology. I've read Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Oh, that's great. But that Systematic Theology book you read ain't going to deliver that brother. What's going to deliver that brother is your complete dependence in God and crying out to him saying, God, do what only you can do. And we keep praying until we see him do it. Amen. Because family, hear me this. Going to church, tithing, being in a missional community group, caring about justice, loving others, those are all great things. Don't get me wrong on that. But the disciples were doing all of that. And they took an L. They were defeated. Because they weren't truly dependent on Jesus. And family, I'm not teaching a works-based gospel. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying gospel plus this. What I'm saying is that when you're praying and fasting and you're in the Word of God, you're showing that the gospel is enough and it's the only answer. Amen? And family, God will move when He sees His people doing that. He wants all the glory. When He sees that we don't want to give Him all the glory, He's like, okay, I'm going to hold back. Let's see how this works out for you. But when we call in saying, God, we need you. We're dependent upon you. You get all the glory. Man, he comes in, family, and he does what only he can do. That's the impossible. And so when he says this kind, this is how many our prayers ought to sound something like this. Oh, Lord, for me, this is impossible. But I know with you all things are possible. So please show your power. And are we praying like this? Oh, Lord, it's your presence. Oh, Lord, it's your name. Oh, Lord, it's your message that carries weight and that sends darkness fleeing. There is no other way, oh, Lord. We need you to rain down like never before. And we're believing and we're expecting that you will. Do we pray like that? Do we believe like that? I remember we had several brothels around our church. If you don't know about brothels, it's unfortunately where a lot of sex trafficking takes places takes place in those places. And one day, many in our church, we decided to go to the, those three brothels and we, and we prayed outside of them. And I remember people laughing at us. We had people driving by. What do you think your God's going to do? What? Keep praying. Prayer does nothing. That's what people were telling us. We even had one of the people walking outside the brothel mocking us. I told our people, keep praying. The one where the guy walked out mocking us, in two weeks it was shut down. Two weeks. Shut down. He was in jail. The other one, in a few months, it was closed. The other one, within a year, closed. Not a single one of them were open. That had nothing to do about us. It had to do, we cried out and said, God, we, we don't have the strength and power to shut this down. We can go burn it down, Lord. But we might end up jail. So can you do what only you can do, Lord? And shut these places down. And he did. Family, look right here at, at Mark 1. Because Jesus ain't telling us to do something he himself didn't do. Mark Chapter 1, verse 35. This is Jesus. And rising very early in the morning, 
while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Everyone say prayed. This is Jesus, the Son of God, praying. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns. He knew what was important, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. You see, Jesus knew where the power came from. He was prayed up and he was ready. The disciples, family, if you, if you know them, they weren't ready in this passage. And not only in this passage, but in many other passages, they're going to take L's, they're going to take defeats. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they take a major defeat. They will all abandon Jesus in his darkest hours. And if you know your Bible, Jesus was raised from the dead. He goes back to his boys, his disciples. He restores them. And these aren't the same men in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, now what are they doing? They're praying. In Acts 2, Holy Spirit comes. They preach the gospel. 3,000 people get saved. Acts chapter 3, a man gets healed. They're now threatened with their life. Acts 4, they're praying. God, give us boldness. Acts 5, they're back out preaching, watching God push back darkness. And then you see them praying again. It's a common theme throughout the book of Acts. They pray. They preach. God moves. They pray. They preach. God moves. They knew, they understood this kind. We've got to be completely dependent upon God. And we cannot go out in our own might, in our own strength, or our head knowledge. It's got to be solely Jesus Christ. And family, as I close this out, do we believe that? Do you believe when it comes to this kind? Whether that's in your marriage, whether it's your child, whether it's somebody you're trying to witness to, whatever this kind is for you. Do you truly believe that God can change that situation? Do you believe He has that power? Do you believe He has that might? And will you keep calling on His name until you see Him do it? I shared to you about Eric, uh, the young man. I'm praying that God will heal him. My daughters, they love him dearly. They know his kids. It took eight years to see God save this gangbanger off the streets. Eight years us crying out, pleading to God, save him. Well, we keep doing that for people, family, because that's what they need us to do. And we got to trust that God and his sovereignty will do what only he can do. Amen? Let's pray and let's bow our heads. And, uh, worship can, can come on up. Lord, we come to you right now just thanking you and praising you and just giving you all the glory and all the honor. God, I thank you for this message. Lord, I know you're still convicting me and, 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 and turning me on this message. Because, Lord, I know I'm guilty at times doubting you. I know yesterday you used Pastor Mike to just remind me to not doubt that you can do the impossible. And God, would you help us? Because, Lord, if we're all honest in here, we know there are things that we're struggling to believe. And whatever that situation might be, and so help us to believe. Help us to not lose faith in you, Lord. Help us to keep preaching your gospel, knowing it is the only answer, the only solution to all that we face. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, family, you go before the Lord right now. And know that there's going to be people in the back to pray with you.
If you know that you're here and you're doubting, you're lacking faith, man, don't leave these doors. Go to whoever those brothers and sisters are and say, pray for me. You can pray at your seat, but man, I encourage you, go and tell another brother or sister, would you pray for me? Pray that I won't doubt the gospel in this situation. If you're here and you don't know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, and your heart's being stirred up to know Him, go to one of those brothers and sisters and say, hey, I want to know this Jesus. That even the demons fear. I want to know Him. I want to surrender to Him. I want to repent. Go to them. And they'll show you and help you on how to follow Jesus. Amen. Lord, we ask right now that you would do what only you can do as you work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.